Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Hello everybody, how are you? Good morning, good to see you. How amazing is the team, the band, amazing. Give them a hand, so great. What a beautiful presence and uh, hey, it's so good to, to meet you. Um, my name is Mitch and this is my wife Beck, as Pastor Mel said, and it's our pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, I'm a big Canberra fan. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, some people I've heard are not. I don't, I don't know. I think they're crazy. They're crazy. Um, I think Canberra is definitely the capital of cool, and uh, and it's awesome. I, I love being here, and uh, we've had two nights here, and I, I kind of did, done a bit of exploring yesterday. Uh, we really do think you've got a great city, so you should be proud and happy of your city, and, and you should be proud and happy of your incredible pastors. Why don't you give Pastor Mel and Pastor Paul a big hand? Uh, it's honored to be here. We love you guys. And, um, and also, if you are visiting, if this is your first time, it's, it's mine too. So we can do this together. And uh, it's, great to, it's great to have you here as well. Um, as Pastor Mel said, my name is Mitch, and I uh, work for IJM, which stands for International Justice Mission. Give me a wave if you've heard of IJM before today. A few people, awesome. If you haven't, that's all good. I actually hadn't heard of IJM either until about uh, 12 months ago. And so I'm, I'm fairly recent to the, the team uh, in Australia. And I'm I'm going to share a little bit more about uh, that this morning, and then I'm going to uh, share a message uh, kind of themed around the idea of restoration and God's heart to restore things. And I think after the kind of couple of years we've had, that that could help anyway, regardless, right? Um, And so let me pray, and then we'll get into it. So Lord, I just thank you right now. We just give you this time. We thank you for your presence and and just your your hand upon our lives and upon our world right now, Lord. We thank you. You know the need. We thank you. Your arm is not too short, uh, Lord, that it cannot save, that it cannot transform and restore our lives and our cities, our nations, Lord. And so we just give you this time. We pray you'd work in our hearts. You'd speak to us in ways that only you can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. Hey, well, right now, what I'm going to do, just um, to kick things off, I actually want to play a little video. I will give you a little heads up. Uh, some of the content, as you, as you may be aware, can be somewhat confronting. Um, if, if you feel that, totally fine. If you need to step out, totally fine. Just wanted to let you know up front that, um, but, but it's not going to be too bad. It's all good. I'm not, you know, you'll, you'll be okay. But just thought I'd let you know that. Uh, but if we could just quickly play that video, that would be amazing. Thanks, team. How old is she? 12. How much? 30? Right now, there are more people trapped in slavery than ever before. Over 40 million children, women and men are beaten, raped and starved in an industry worth $150 billion per year. Criminals prey on the world's poor because they expect no one to defend them. But today, today, there are thousands of people joining forces to seek justice justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counsellors, activists and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Each year we rescue thousands and protect millions, working alongside local law enforcement to prosecute criminals, restore survivors, and transform how justice systems protect their citizens. But we can only do this with you, the church, 
Moving with God's heart for justice, we will, together, find those trapped in slavery. We will get them home, to their families, so they can have the freedom they deserve. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. So, uh, yeah, just obviously a little snapshot to give you the overview of, of who we are. Um, as, as you would have heard, 40 million people today are a little over that trapped in slavery. Um, one in four of that kids. That's pretty confronting, right? It's pretty pretty crazy. That hit home for me. Um, I became a dad. Well, we, we became parents, um, you know, two years ago now. And just that kind of when you – it just changes gears, right, when you become a parent. And all the parents would know that. But, um, you know, it's such a, such a terrible – uh, thing slavery what we don't realize sometimes we think oh that's a thing of the past you know we've seen it uh, maybe in, in movies or, or heard read about it in history books but but more than ever this is a reality of the world we live in uh, can can take many different forms can look like uh, forced labor in brick kilns or uh, factories uh, it can look like sex trafficking uh, and one of the worst ones that uh, is becoming more and more prevalent today is what we call OSEC which stands for the online sexual exploitation of children um, uh, IJM is the largest anti-slavery uh, organization in the world, uh, but really it's more than just slavery. It's really about protecting communities from all forms of violence for those that are vulnerable. Um, and, and just to give you a snapshot of, of kind of the process, the, the work that we do, uh, one, of course, we, we look to, to rescue and restore uh, those uh, you know, victims of, of slavery and violence. That's obviously one of the big things we do. Uh, second thing is we, we actually work with lawyers and investigators to actually bring criminals to justice and to bring convictions um, to those people who are committing those crimes. Um, and thirdly, something that I think is crucial is that we actually look to transform and strengthen the justice systems in those communities to actually deal with the root cause of some of those issues, to not just uh, look at the, the symptoms, but actually deal with the issue collectively so that we can stop it for good. And that's, uh, who thinks that's a good idea, right? Amazing. Um, there are five... Uh, who, who can tell me, tell me off the top of their head how many, what the world's population is, roughly? 7.5 uh, billion, yeah. There are 5 billion of those, that 7.5, 5 billion people that live outside of the protection of the law. That's, that's pretty crazy, right? 5 billion out of, well, almost 8 billion. And therefore, that's why our, our ability to actually work with communities to restore and transform those justice systems, to actually bring, bring people into that protection zone. We find that's the greatest way of deterring and creating safe communities, actually to actually strengthen the whole system together. Uh, and that's the thing uh, that, we, that we get to do. And so we work in the places where, where those justice systems have collapsed. That's our priority. Um, one of the stories that I've read as I've journeyed into this, um, into this whole world in the last year is the story of Dom, who was a Cambodian farmer. Who, uh, he's, a, he's a father uh, trying to provide for his family, struggling with debt. And as often happens in these situations, a visitor came to his village and offered him a job on a fishing boat in Thailand that promised more money, security for his family. And so he felt like he had no choice, took that and got taken to this fishing boat in Thailand uh, where he realized that was not actually the case or he was on a fishing boat, but it wasn't the job he thought it was. Um, him and about a dozen other Cambodian farmers were put on this boat, sailed off out to sea uh, and beaten, treated harshly. Uh, had to work, you know, 20 plus hours a day, even when they're sick. Uh, threats of being thrown overboard if they, you know, for punishment, which he witnessed some, uh, some, some of that happening. 
Um, and he, he had to uh, go through this for, for six years. And he didn't realize at the time his son, after he had left, had actually accepted a similar deal. And so both him and his son were on these Thai fishing boats uh, in slavery. Six years later, an Indonesian uh, uh, authority, they seized this boat and, and rescued him, reunited him with his family, um, brought him back to Cambodia, where the Cambodian police then connected Dom uh, with IJM, who supported him through aftercare and, and interviewed him and helped investigate, and they actually brought three uh, traffickers in that network to justice. Uh, and they saw the rescue of his son, which is pretty amazing. Pretty, Yeah. And, and so I tell you this to say, to say this, that, um, you know, we obviously, we, we would love to see the church in Australia become a key voice uh, in, in, this, in this fight, in this mission. Uh, and so part of, uh, you know, part of what, what, what we'd love to see is, is, is churches all across Australia, particularly C3 churches. We're seeing a number of great C3s. And I, I, as Pastor Mel said, we're from C3. We love C3. And we think what an amazing thing it would be for C3 churches around Australia to be a leading voice in the area for justice around the world. Um, and so you will find there is, there is a card on your seat. So over the course of the morning, if you're feeling, you know, I feel compelled to, to become a, a partner, what we call a freedom partner, we'd love you to do that. Um, there is a QR code on that card as well if you want to do that digitally. Um, that could be a bit easier for you. And, uh, and we'd love you to consider that. What that looks like is, is you know, a monthly $31 uh, gift and also being committed to praying because we believe it's not just financial, it's actually spiritual. This is a spiritual fight. Uh, and so we'd love you to consider that uh, if that's something you want to do. The, the QR code there is up on the screen as well if you want to uh, be a part of that. But uh, really what I wanted to share this morning is God's heart for restoration. Because as I, as I said, that the heart is we, we, we want to restore uh, individual lives, yes. We want to restore cities and nations and communities and families. And that's God's heart. He's a restorer of things that are broken, right? And at its very core, justice, if I could sum it up in a couple of words, it is to make things right again. That's God's, that's biblical justice, is to make things right, to restore something to its proper place. I want to start with this scripture in Colossians, one of my favorite scriptures in Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20. It says this, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, being Christ, and through Him reconcile to Himself all things. Everyone say, all things. All things, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Can I tell you, God's heart is to reconcile everything to its proper order, to reconcile to his, his divine plan and purpose that he's got. That's not just people, that is people, but it's not just people. It's, he wants to restore our families to their proper place. He wants to restore Canberra, come on, to its proper place. And so I want you to think, when you think all things, think what, is, what, what do you feel is broken in your life? What's bro what, what part of your life, and it could be a part of your personal life, it could be a business thing, it could be a family thing, it could be all things. And God's heart is to reconcile them uh, under Christ. That's God's heart. The gospel is the reconciliation of heaven and earth under Jesus Christ. And God then uses us 
as ministers of reconciliation. He uses us as agents of restoration in the world around us. Isaiah 58 says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing scripture. So as I was thinking about this heart of restoration, I believe uh, one of the greatest stories of re- restoration and rebuilding in scriptures is, is the story of Nehemiah. Uh, I'm not sure some of you may, may know that story. If you don't, all good. I'll, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to journey through and unpack a bit of this story. But really, to give you a bit of context, the Israelites, uh, so the people of God, the, the nation of God, had been taken into captivity for 70 years. They were in Babylon, and they were um, you know, taken captive. We've, and we all feel like we've been taken captive a bit lately, right? Uh, but there came a point, and this is the point, where they started to return to Jerusalem, where their city, Jerusalem, had been destroyed had been burnt and, and, and totally destroyed, and they had to start this restoration, this rebuilding process. And so, so waves of, of these Israelites started coming back uh, into Jerusalem to, to rebuild. And the first thing they rebuilt was the temple. They started to rebuild, and, and that's awesome. They rebuilt, and the temple represents the spiritual renewal of the city. It represents the spiritual renewal. And God's first priority is absolutely to restore your spiritual connection to God. And that's what they did. They, they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt their connection to God, the presence of God. But that's not all that they did. They actually then began to rebuild. And that's where Nehemiah comes in. He was sent to actually re, then rebuild the walls around the city. Because the temple was built, but the walls were not. The city was still in ruin. And the walls represent society's renewal. It represents the protection of our world, the natural world that we're in. And God's restoration plan is more than just individual, it's collective. And that's what I, I guess I, I want to encourage you in today, that you, you're here and we, we experience incredible worship and the presence of God, the temple's restored. We are now temples of the Holy Spirit. So that communion with God's restored, that's amazing. But there are a city around you that God's called you to build a wall around to see transformation in the city as well. Amen? And so I want to start, and I want to just give you really simply uh, three thoughts, three, maybe, uh, I hate to use the word, but a roadmap um, to restoration. <laughs> I thought you'd all love a good roadmap joke. <laughs> and so the first, the first thing out of, out of Nehemiah as we go through his journey of rebuilding this wall is the thir- first thought is pain in process. Everyone say pain. pain. Isn't pain awful? But it's good for us, right? Nehemiah 1 tells us the story of how Nehemiah was gripped with a burden to return, rebuild, and restore the walls of Jerusalem. In Nehemiah 1, it won't come up on the screen because we're going to journey through this a little bit quick, but let me just, let me just point out some key areas here. In Nehemiah 1, uh, some of his brothers came back uh, and reported to Nehemiah, who hadn't yet entered the city of Jerusalem, and he said, one of my brothers came from Judah with other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived are now back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And then it says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Can I tell you, he felt the pain of his people. He felt the burden and the grip. And sometimes God grips us with pain. Like we feel the pain. 
And Jesus, we see Jesus when Jesus, uh, you know, is walking around the cities and towns. Uh, he said he felt compassion. He felt gripped. He felt a sense of pain of people's pain. And God actually uses that. Sometimes we kind of resist or we like kind of, don't we, we kind of put the blinkers up. We don't want to feel the pain. It can be too hard. But that pain is actually what sparks a process towards restoration. God uses the pain that we feel to actually spark a process in us to begin becoming a restorer of the world around us. And that's what he did in Nehemiah. He used this pain. And so I want to ask you a question. Is, is what, what's the pain you're feeling for the world around you? What's the pain? And it could be personal. It could be a pain for a family member. It could be pain for something going on at your university. Whatever it is, there's a, there's a pain in you. It could be a pain for something uh, systemic like, like we deal with with IJM. It could be a pain, a burden you're feeling for the community around you. But if you're feeling that pain, I reckon it's a pretty good clue that it's something that God's calling you to bring His redemptive love towards. And so don't ignore the pains you feel. Don't, don't ignore the frustration and the rub you're feeling because mate, that, that's a, it's a clue that there's a, there's, a bird, there's a God thing there. There's a burden there that God's calling you into. And so the other question would be, what's the next step? Because for Nehemiah, it actually sparked this process of, of talking to the right people about this pain, not talking to the wrong people. He didn't speak too soon. He, he kind of allowed it to develop into something and allowed a process to unfold where God used him to return to Jerusalem and start to rebuild. Um, what was amazing about this is actually uh, when he did come time to share uh, the process and the plan he had to bring restoration, is people still mocked him. People still try to intimidate and, and speak little of it. Can I tell you when, you, when you step out to see restoration take place, there will be voices. There will be opposition. But if you've taken the time to sit on that pain, allow it to become a burden and a conviction, those voices will matter very little. Amen? Second thing, second thought. First one, pain and process. Second one, context and connection. In Nehemiah uh, 3, we, we, we see uh, Nehemiah begin to outline, literally he takes a whole chapter to outline all the different families of the Israelites who began to help co-labor together to rebuild this wall. Um, in Nehemiah 3.28, it says, Above the horse gate, how good, anyone want a horse gate? The priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emar, made repairs opposite his house. And we see this go on and on for a whole chapter where everybody took responsibility for a bit. And isn't, wouldn't it be amazing to think, what can we achieve if we all repaired the gate in front of our house? You know, if we all, if all, we all thought, well, what part of the wall of the city of Canberra can we help build? What part? And, and sometimes I think we too quickly disqualify the part we've got to play. We think, oh, I just, maybe I just work in a childcare center. Maybe I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Maybe I'm a stay-at-home dad. Come on. Maybe I'm a teacher. Maybe, you know, I work, you know, as I think most of Canberra works for the government, right? So, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you're, maybe you're a tradie. I think we too quickly disqualify, oh, what's that going to? You'd be surprised if we all together collectively took a little bit and said, I'm going to build this part of the wall. I'm going to bring the integrity and the grace and the, and, and the goodness of God into the building industry. I'm going to bring the kindness of heaven into the childcare center. Come on, I'm going to bring the love and kindness of God into the school center, you know, the, the schools and the universities. If we each take a moment to not downgrade or devalue our place that God's given us, your part matters. The part of the wall 
front of your house, in front of your life, really matters. And so what's your part to play? Uh, In Ephesians, it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen? So pain and process, context and connection. And the third one, work and warfare. In Nehemiah 4, we see as, as they're beginning to build, there's more and more opposition. And it's not just verbal opposition anymore. It's like physical uh, opposition. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You feel like you're doing something for God and you like feel phys- like there's, phys- there's things happening, tangible, tangible pushback. Uh, Nehemiah felt that. And in Nehemiah 4, he says, those who carried materials did their work in one hand with a weapon in the other. And I want to encourage you that the work of God, the, the restoration that God's wanting you to bring to your home, to your city, uh, that it's not just work. It, it's not just practical. It is, but it's not just. It's, it's a spiritual fight just as much as a physical fight. And I think sometimes, personality-wise, we drift towards one or the other. We might be the person who just likes to get things done. We just thought, you know, I'm just going to grind it out. Come on, anybody. Uh, but, or we might be a little bit more like, you know what, we just need to pray, 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 and, and, you know, and, and then we, we do nothing. And it's not, you, you're both right and you're both wrong because it has to be both. We do it together. The fight is both spiritual and practical. It's both natural and supernatural. And whatever area of society you're bringing God's redemptive love towards, uh, it's not just work. It's also spiritual warfare. It's something that goes together. Um, Ephesians 6, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so the question I'd ask is, is which one, which one do you lean towards that you need to be aware of how to balance? And how can you better balance that? How can you bring, maybe, maybe, maybe you're really working hard and you're finding it tough. Maybe you need to spend some time just allowing the oil of God, the presence of God to balance that equation. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you've been faithful in prayer, you're believing for a situation, but now's the time to actually take a step of faith and do something to bring a practical, uh, you know, a practical act into that equation as well. It's the convergence of the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the walls that provided an environment for the Israelites to come back in safety and bring life to the city. And I truly believe that as I was thinking about this yesterday, I was praying and I truly believe that Canberra can be a forerunner of this model of restoration where individual transformation, individual restoration and community restoration can, ha- can happen in harmony together. It's not just all about social justice. It's not just all about salvation of the lost. It's collective. It's together. And then working in harmony, people being restored and the city being restored at the same time. Amen? Amen. If I can grab um, our amazing keys player back up, that'd be incredible. Thank you. And that's my heart. And, uh, and we, we see that so clearly uh, in IJM. We see we work hard. We have lawyers, investigators, people on the ground who work hard to see people restored, to see people rescued, to see uh, justice systems, see, see lawyers trained, see judges trained. We, we see all of that. But it's not just the work. We're, we, 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 there's, there's faithful prayer. I've never been 
uh, I've worked in a number of different situations and I've worked in, a, in our church for over 10 years. Can I tell you, I was shocked the devotion that the IJM team give to prayer because it has to have to work together. It has to be, it has to be those things together. Um, we spend literally like, we, I could, we have so many things in place to keep the team in prayer, uh, which is so crucial. But before I go any further, I want to say that God does care about our personal transformation, our personal restoration. And maybe you're feeling after the last two years, you're feeling a little broken down, like, like your walls have been broken, like your, 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 your inner world has been torn down. God's wanting to restore that. He's wanting to bring your life back into its proper place with God. Let me read you the same Colossians verse I read at the start, but I want to read it in the Message Bible. It says this, So spacious is He, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in Him. Everything of God finds its proper place in Him. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of His death, His blood that poured out down from the cross. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.